Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to episode 285 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with... Matt, how are you doing? I'm alright, David. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. What have you been up to? The first thing I, I want to talk about came out in December, but we had all the Geek Town Awards and all that sort of thing to talk about, so uh, I, I thought I'd save it for a little bit of a quieter time. It's actually a documentary. Now, you won't re- you'll won't, you rarely see me talk about documentaries <laughs> because yeah. I rarely actually watch them. Uh, I'm going to talk about actually two today, which is a bit of a change, because <laughs> the only other one before these two I've watched is the uh, Game of Thrones final season documentary. Right, yeah. uh, but, but this one is uh, Marcus Rashford feeding Britain's kids. Now, for those of you that don't know, of course, Marcus Rashford is a footballer. He plays for England and uh, Manchester United and he's been helping out with basically families and you know kids who are struggling with getting themselves fed due to COVID and other things as well. Uh, well, COVID made that worse because obviously the whole yeah. like reversal of the, the school meals and he had to talk to Boris and, and all that kind of stuff about it because one of the MPs, I think it was Matt Hancock and some of the others, actually rejected the idea of renewing the free school meal voucher thing. So Rashford yes. sort of stepped in and was like, hey, you probably shouldn't do, I mean, we don't know the exact conversation because it was between them. You know, you probably shouldn't do this and they struggle and that sort of thing. One of the main reasons he's getting involved, obviously because he's a nice person anyway and he wants to help out, but uh, is because of his own background. He was one of, I think, five kids that his mother had and uh, his dad left them at a young age. Of course, his mom then financially struggled to support the five children that she had. The documentary is on BBC iPlayer. Should still be on there it only came out in I, December yes so, I would have thought so yeah about an hour long and uh, I like the timeline thing they actually kind of do because when this started happening which was around about the summer of last year because there was a whole thing about schools at the close and yeah they didn't know what to do with like the vouchers because they usually don't give out the vouchers in the summer because the kids like yeah, usually aren't at school at that time and obviously COVID threw a wrench and everything and then that meant that for a little bit of time the football season was delayed and that came back in like July which was weird to watch football in July they started bring a little bit of timeline into it because obviously he was playing trying to play football and do this at the same time which obviously kept him very busy one thing that stood out a little bit was uh for some reason <laughs> when it was got to i think it was september last year remember when we lost 6-1 to tottenham right they were they were doing all these little recaps of the matches just to sort of tell you what month they were talking yeah, about because they talked yeah. about like champions league and he, he scored the winning goal against psg that kind of thing 
they were like, oh, we're in September and uh, Marcus's team has just lost 6-1 to Tottenham. I was like, you don't need to remind me of that. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, you don't need to be talking about that. But uh, great to see him getting out there and helping everything. For those of you that don't know as well, he's been awarded. Now, I don't know what this actually stands for. I haven't actually looked it up. He's been awarded with an MBE, which is an award for uh, him actually helping out with yeah. the situation. MBE's so, member of the British Empire. There's MBE, okay. OBE, uh, Knighthood, CBE is the other one. There's a sort of order. I can't remember which order they go in, but yes. But yeah, he got awarded with one of them and uh, it's just good to see, you know, somebody, uh, I mean, he's younger than me. <laughs> he's 23 yeah. and I'm, I'm almost 27, but it's just good to see somebody young with that much wealth and I suppose power willing to kind of step in and help, which is really good. He's not the only one that's been doing it. They do show in the documentary, him and his team or the team that he's a part of trying to get out there and, and yeah. help and that. So just thought that was a nice thing to kind of mention. So <laughs> been uh, sticking to football a little bit, but uh, a scripted comedy. I can't remember if I told you I've got a year free of Apple TV Plus. Right. Because I got a new phone in December and I actually completely forgot this was a thing. I don't know how long this lasts for, but if you get a new Apple device, because I've got an iPhone 6. It's something, a year. Yeah. yeah. They, they yeah. give you a year free. If you buy any new Apple device, you get you get Apple TV free for a year. Yeah. So went and watched a couple of shows. I've already seen the morning show the first season when that aired about a year or so ago. Yeah. Uh, but I watched Ted Lasso, which is basically, I think it's Jason Sudok. Yeah. So Jason Sudeikis, I think his name is. He's an American football coach. Yes. And then uh, for some reason, he gets hired to come and manage a... Uh, British football team which is a completely different sport yes. which is part, which is all part of the setup and the comedy of like there, there's this kind of confusion among the fans and that at the start I was like okay well why has this guy been hired he doesn't know anything about football in fact someone asks him a question and he says like oh when we get to the fourth quarter of the game and one of the journalists or whatever in the crowd is like there's only two halves to this game so he didn't <laughs> even know like how the batch was structured it's brilliant he messes up his first press conference and that and uh, I think the first four of five episodes were kind of slow and odd because I'm up to the eighth episode. I think I've got three left. They actually start to get to more of the football matches because the, the thing that I was interested to see was somebody who doesn't know anything about British version of football what is he going to do? Like, how is he going to set up his team and his tactics and that kind of thing? And I was interested to see that. They do get to that eventually. It really starts to pick up when they get to that part of the story. And uh, you kind of see how that develops with the players on the team and how that kind of changes things going forward. Mm. Um, uh, it just takes a little bit of time to actually get to him doing his job. It's sort of more right. about the characters and, and things like that at the start, mm. which I didn't mind. But uh, yeah, that was that was pretty good anyway. That's on uh, Apple TV+. Plus. I think that's got renewed for a third season. It I've has. Read. It's only had one season go out it, yeah. it got renewed for a second season five days after its premiere and then was renewed for a third season as well <laughs> so uh yes apple definitely piling on the renewals there so it is yeah. gonna be I, around for a while yeah i do like with that with apple they have sort of really committed to a lot of this because i think they yeah. haven't they renewed like everything they've done yeah yeah i think something? so i think everything everything's got renewed yeah and yeah. we are starting to get second seasons of things um mm -hmm. coming now as well dickinson got i think the second season of that is now out and and for All Mankind, second season of that is due, I think, this week or next week. That's due very soon. That's a mm -hmm. superb series. So. Then you've got Central Park and The Morning Show. C, and C as well. C as well, yeah. yeah. And they got that um, Tom Holland's in a film that's coming up. That's actually on Oh, Apple yeah, yeah. I know, I can't remember the name of the film either. But yes, Cherry? Cherry, yes, I think. The, so, yeah, there's a... I Tom Which I, I didn't I didn't actually know that was an Apple TV Plus film until I saw it on there. So at least we'll be able to watch that. So yeah. uh, the other 
documentary I wanted to talk about was uh, the Cecil Hotel documentary, which is about this uh, young woman who goes missing and there's this weird footage of her in an elevator, basically. I've only seen the first episode. There is four of them. I think the first episode is quite slow. They do spend a lot of time on kind of like the history of the hotel and it's only really towards the end of that first episode where they get to the actual footage because they do talk about this woman and kind of like what she was doing before she got to the hotel, why she went there and some of those other things. I think I'll watch the other three episodes. It's just, it fit, that feels like a lot of, because it's four hours in total because I think they're yeah. about an hour each. It does feel like a lot of content for not quite so much. Mm. The actual footage of her in the elevator is only like four minutes and they kind of go over that a bit in the first episode. So maybe there's more to it later on and that sort of thing. It's difficult um, with that. It could just be a pacing issue. You don't know when, yeah, with that sort yeah. of thing, you don't know whether there's a reason they're setting up that much context to it. But until mm. you've watched the whole thing, it's very difficult to tell. The other thing they sometimes do with documentaries is they will spread them a lot thinner than they actually need to be. Uh, I mm. mean, millions, I've said before, you could have compressed into a sort of three-hour movie, whereas they made a sort of 10 or eight or 10 episode season out of it. And mm-hmm. I think that could have been a lot shorter than it was. And I like that documentary quite a lot. I just think they, they spread it a little more thin than maybe you needed to. And sometimes they do that with documentary series. Um, yeah. But sometimes it, they need to add a lot of context into it as well. Do you think it's maybe I'm just not used to watching documentaries? Possibly. possibly? Yeah, that, there is possibly that. <laughs> there, there is possibly so. that as well. There are some great documentaries out there, though, particularly <laughs> the true crime stuff. There's The Staircase, I think it's called, or The Stairs, oh, yeah. which is, yeah. that's a superb documentary. That's a Netflix one. There's uh, Making a Murderer, of course, as well, which is really interesting. I've mentioned before about The Vow, which is fascinating as well. Because usually what I prefer in terms of like watching these types of stories is if you take like a real world event, but make like a dramatized version of that thing yeah. instead of like a documentary. That's just that's just what I usually prefer as a viewer. But mm. um, so that was that. And then to end my section here on a very positive note, I finished Little Nightmares 2 last night. Uh, absolutely fantastic game. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. This is the creepiest piece of media I've ever experienced. It's just got some of the wildest horror ideas I've ever seen. Like, you go from one enemy to another in this game and they just get weirder and more creepy. And yeah. I'm not going to say what any of those things are because it will. Uh, this is one of the few games where I'd say it's sort of got like gameplay spoilers in a way where like, I, I wouldn't want to tell you about a section that I went through because then you'll be spoiled on sort yeah, of like yeah. the enemies that you encounter and that. But uh, it's brilliant. It's one of them games as well. Like if, if you look at the core of it itself, it's quite a simple game. You kind of walk around as this little person, the, the little nightmare, mm. and you just try and sort of survive the world. Just got kind of that basic platformer controls. But just one thing I definitely recommend that you should do with, with both the first and the second game, please wear headphones when you when you play this game because mm. there's a lot of things and there's a lot of effort put into the sound design here. Yeah. Because uh, I was playing it and I was like, okay, this is probably better if I put my headphones in and just straight away it was like, okay, yeah, this is much more like immersive and, and so much better. Uh, and I can kind of tell it's meant to be played that way as well to where you need to be sort of immersed like that. Mm. But I've watched a, I say a good amount of horror films and TV shows, mostly zombie things. But uh, um, yeah, I've, I've watched and played a good amount of, of that genre. Yeah, this is still the creepiest thing I've experienced in a piece of media. Just the ideas here are, are really wild. So uh, yeah. do you have any experience with this? I've played the first one a little bit. I haven't played the second one at all. It is a stunningly beautiful game, though. I mean, it's, it's it beautiful, yeah. weird, creepy. I, I remember when they launched the first one at EGX, they had this massive, massive stand where they actually had people in costumes of some of the characters oh, wandering cool. around. Like, and, and I mean, it was like <laughs> multi-level, this stand. So they had like a 
bridge I seem to remember across it where they had some of the people in costumes as sort of oh, monsters cool. wandering backwards and forwards on the bridge <laughs> amazing the setup they yeah. had for it it was just just absolutely bonkers so um, yeah I, it's, I, I'm well aware of, of the game I've just not played it all that much it looks stunning though and I did enjoy mm-hmm. the little bits I'm not hugely into platformers but I was very impressed with the little bits that I saw I would probably say this is an early game of the year contender as well I know it's very early in the year yet and we haven't had that many new releases but yeah. uh, this is this going to be one that when, when we get to December and start talking about things we'll need to remember this game right so, yes it's, it's definitely up there yeah uh, but that's me David uh, how about you gaming wise still playing with Satisfactory at the moment I have I've built a huge factory I'm almost at the stage where I need to optimize things but I've got a lot of the production lines set up I'm kind of treading water a little bit now until update 4 comes out which you know they're, they're drip feeding bits and pieces of information about the next update so I think it's relatively imminent we'll see when they actually release it I've got a few bits and pieces that I can still do I'm almost at a stage where I maybe will put that down for a little bit and uh, wait until the next update comes out but I, I'm thoroughly loving that game it's just sort of trying to actually build a factory that's not got spaghetti of conveyor belts everywhere you know okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. but yeah thoroughly enjoyable really really good fun if you like those sort of building games in those production line games that's just one of the best ones out there I'm thoroughly enjoying playing through that again TV wise Snowpiercer back for each second or third episode I think that's doing brilliantly well I'm really enjoying that WandaVision we talked a lot about last week so I don't want to go massively into it but um, I liked what they did with the sixth episode they're sort of slowly drip feeding little bits of information out each episode and uh, that ended in a really interesting place just yeah. gets better and better each episode that I love what it's doing for the MCU just in general and yeah. the kind of hints of where it could go with things in the future especially knowing that uh, with the possibilities of what that could do with like because Spider-Man 3 WandaVision and Doctor Strange is supposed to be like a little arc aren't they like a little multiverse seems to be yeah seems to be arc. heading that yeah. way um, so I'm looking forward to seeing like when we get the end of this because then it's Spider-Man 3 after that and then Doctor Strange is the third part of that isn't it so yeah it'll be very interesting to see how that affects the other two films because there might be things that even in because I know we still have what three episodes left there might be things that even happen in episode nine that we haven't thought about yet that might affect those two films in ways we haven't thought about either so there's this I, I like the just the wide amount of possibilities that that's got so yeah pretty good so far one of the other shows that I finished was For Life which was running on Sky Witness and I just got very very behind on I really enjoyed where they kind of got to the end of that it's so tense the last couple of episodes of that because it obviously is based on a true life story of uh, a guy who got locked up in prison and uh, couldn't afford legal fees anymore so trained himself to become a lawyer and ended up becoming a representative for other prisoners as well so he started representing legal cases for other people uh, along with defending his own case to try and get him out it's uh, Nicholas Pinnock in the lead role and he's superb in it it's really really good I think I mentioned before there was about episode four there is one episode which really really dragged for me but I kind of once and forced through that it worked a lot better after that 
It's really interesting to see where it goes. Even though clearly he's going to get out of prison at some point, you sort of know where it's going, but it, there's still an awful lot of tension in there about whether he's going to make it to court because he's fighting with the authorities about sort of whether he can get out or not. There's lots of that sort of stuff going on. But uh, if you like those sort of legal dramas and just sort of tense dramas, that's really worth watching. It's uh, all on Sky On Demand if you want to go and see that. I watched the first episode of Zero Zero Zero, which is this new international drug drama. I found the first episode a little bit slow. It's from the people that make Gamora. So it's half in, uh, I think it's Spanish and Italian, and then half of it's sort of in English as well. So, I mean, it is very kind of international. So some of it's subtitled, some of it's not. Solid, well-crafted drama. I just think it was it was a little bit slow for the first bit of it. I will be watching the rest of it, though. I did quite enjoy it. It's uh, Gabriel Burns, one of the leads in it. Why is it called Zero Zero Zero? It's named after a book. I'm not entirely sure on the reason for that, but okay. it is a uh, based around the, the drug trade, and it sort of focuses on the people buying the drugs, the people selling the drugs, and the sort of transatlantic route. It follows the idea of where the drugs start, where they're trying to get to, and the things that are going on with the various groups surrounding that as well. So it's sort of interesting and it's a slightly different approach to this sort of drug drama because there are a lot of characters involved in it. I'm enjoying it. I just think it was a little bit slow in that opening episode. The other thing that came back this week was SEAL Team. That's back for a fourth season. Solid start again. Kind of annoying the way the first episode ends because it seems like it's a two-parter and I kind of wish they'd released the first two episodes together. But uh, it sort of ends with David Baradis' character in a slightly precarious situation and so I've got to wait until next week until that kind of resolves itself. Was it aired as a two-part in I I don't know. I'm not sure whether it was or not. Or does it just kind of feel Mm. like that? I'm not sure whether it was or not, but it sort of feels like it should have been. Mm. so uh, I'm kind of like waiting to see how they resolve that bit of the storyline but really solid really enjoying that of course if you are a fan of David Baradish you probably know him from Angel and uh, it's not been a good week really for fans of Joss Whedon with the allegations that have come out against Joss this week we just wanted to talk a little bit about this because I mean there are allegations we should say that although I have to say the tsunami of support that have come out in support of Charisma Carpenter who posted this long thing about the abuse that she suffered on set and how he abused his power and created this hostile working environment and the way she was abused during the filming particularly of Angel. I absolutely believe what she's saying. I think that the fact that pretty much everybody else involved in those shows have come out in support of her. There have been stories from writers that have worked with Joss as well that have made comments along the lines of, yeah, this sounds about right. One of the guys, I can't remember which writer it was, has sort of said, you know, he, I remember him bragging at one point about making a female writer cry twice in one meeting. Oh. I mean, just 
terrible, terrible, terrible. And what particularly I felt disturbing was the stuff that Michelle Trattenberg came out with on top of all this. Because it's one thing if he's an abusive and bad boss. When Michelle Trattenberg comes out and said there was a conversation or a meeting that Joss was not to be left in a room with her ever again, that takes a very much darker turn. And she's not out and out said the reasoning why. She just said he did things that were very not okay. I mean, she was 14 years old, 14, 15 years old at the time. That's very disturbing as well. That was from Buffy, wasn't it? That was from Buffy. That was from Buffy. The allegations against Joss really started way back in 2017 when his wife or ex-wife, Kai Cole, came out and said he was a hypocrite preaching feminine ideals and Mm -hmm. he cheated on me. The stuff he preaches on screen is very different to the man he is in real life. Then, of course, you had all the stuff with Ray Fisher about his gross and abusive unprofessional relationship that he accused yeah, Joss of in the Justice yeah. League. Then you've got Chris McCarpenter coming out with this, and then literally Sarah Michelle Geller, David Baranas, James Masters, Michelle Trappenberg, Amber Benson, all of them have backed her up on her claims. It, it is so, a lot of people that are like backing up these claims. Yeah. So, and if yeah. you remember, I mean, you might be too young for this, but that plot line in Angel when she was actually written out there were rumours even at the time that Joss had been very angry at her and had fired her because she was pregnant essentially which is not something you're allowed to do I think for me what makes this even worse is the fact that Joss is somebody that has always preached these ideals of writing strong powerful women and then behind the scenes he appears according to the allegations to have been manipulative misogynistic really quite a vile human being and that on top of the actual stuff that he's done I think that almost amplifies it to make it even worse that this was the front he was presenting to everybody which is the polar opposite of what he was actually doing in his work life yeah correct me if I'm wrong as well he was also taken off the uh, Batgirl film the one that was going to maybe be in development well, for it, uh, DC yeah it seems like he was taken off the Batgirl film um, yeah. it looks as though uh, I mean although he released a statement saying he'd walked away from the Nevers I rather suspect Mm -hmm. that it seems quite likely they saw what was coming and kicked him off the Nevers as well Has he worked on anything since Justice League? Um, Because I I can't recall Justice League and the Nevers because the Nevers was a a concept that he came up with I would also say this is obviously a new show coming to HBO it does look like it could be quite good fun what I'd caution people against is taking against the work that he created because you know don't go burning your Buffy DVDs. Don't go asking for the Nevers to be cancelled because he was not the only person involved in those shows. And yeah, yeah, yeah. people like Charisma Carpenter still make money off the fact that Buffy and Angel are out there. And, uh, you know, if you start cancelling, in quotes, those shows and stop supporting those works, then she is also worse off. So you can love the stuff that was produced whilst also thinking that the person that came up with it was an a-hole you know right. so yeah. so i don't punish the entire 
entire crew of a show because the guy that had the original idea was kind of a dick yeah it, it is a, a shame what's happened in that and uh you know my thoughts are with those that, that were affected with the situation but um it's just interesting that these other people have kind of come out and that and then obviously ray fisher stepped in and because uh, the one thing he's been kind of saying is accountability over entertainment i would definitely stand with that as well that's the situation that we've got yeah there needs to be a bit more particularly with the ray fisher stuff i think there needs to be a bit more of an investigation there because definitely. of the fact that there seems to have been a lot of covering up on the dc side of things mm-hmm. given that uh, i know that he's kind of blamed walter hamada as well yeah and you bear in mind that ray fisher also got apparently got kicked off the flash movie because he was supposed to be in the flash movie and he's no longer in that and whilst mm. that may have been a creative decision it was a very poorly thought out one if that was the case but if that was somewhat retaliation for everything else that happened then that is also not okay but that is outside Joss's remit although it was the allegations against Joss which might have led to them kicking him off that film right. it wasn't Joss that kicked him off that film it was other people at DC that did so mm-hmm. it's the support structure there that is an issue more than anything else as yeah. well and I, and I I don't blame Ray either for saying because I think he said something no. recently about like he, he doesn't want to, want to work on any more DC films like which is you know, yeah yeah um, given the way so, he's been treated absolutely yeah, I, definitely. I'm not surprised yeah uh, yeah I mean I just disappointed disheartened I completely support all the people that are coming out and you know yeah. pointing this out because this sort of stuff shouldn't be happening it's you know horrendous that they were having to go through this but I feel sorry for people like Anthony Head as well who because he was the elder statesman on the Buffy set and was something of a father figure to some of these young actors and had no idea this was going on he's spoken in an interview fairly recently saying that he feels like he failed them and um, that's also terrible as well yeah but this sort of behavior should not be happening you're making entertainment you're not changing the world you're making things to entertain people and you shouldn't be torturing your cast which basically sounds like what he was doing just not okay as i say these are all alleged things but given the amount of support she's had mm-hmm. from yeah, other there's, people there's a lot of people there's, kind of behind it, this it so. seems there is no reason not to believe charisma story on this everybody else seems to be saying the same thing but as i say enjoy the work enjoy the work of the other people that were involved on that show there wasn't only joss that was involved on that show there were a lot of people that worked on those who were very very lovely people so i don't really know what else to say about this it's, it's just uh, just horrible all around and terribly disappointing for fans to find out that this apparently is who this person is so on top of that we also it's not been a great week for fandom either over in star wars we've also had stories from uh, Gina Carino who played Cara Dune in The Mandalorian this week who well there were a lot of things going around saying oh she was fired from The Mandalorian for some incendiary tweets that she made I would argue that's not strictly true the statement that came out from Disney and Lucasfilm was Gina Carino is not currently employed by Lucasfilm and there are no plans for her to be in the future nevertheless her social media posts denigrating people based on their culture and religious identities are abhorrent and unexpected acceptable and people are saying oh she's been fired well if you actually look at it she was a recurring character in the first two seasons of the mandalorian they'd already shot the first two seasons of the mandalorian there was no reason they needed to bring her back 
So she wasn't so much fired as just they've said they aren't going to employ her again. There wasn't really anything that they fired her from because they'd already shot the bits that she was being used for, but they aren't going to use her again. It's a bit more of like she doesn't have a future here yes. like on any other, like whether it's Mandalorian season three or the multiple spin-offs that we've got for Star Wars coming yeah. up. Um, so it was supposed to be that, I can't remember the name of it, Republic something or other. Yeah, but we don't know whether she was actually involved in that. I mean, right, we assume right. she was, but they hadn't released plot or story or anything. They'd basically given the title of that spin-off. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we don't know whether she was supposed to be involved with that or not. Given that they'd not released anything about it, they could just rewrite whatever they'd started writing for it if she was involved. And if she wasn't, it makes no difference. So, you know, but this is the thing. If you're an actor, your job relies on people liking you. That's the entire point. <laughs> you're there to entertain people and you get employed because people like you. Don't go online and make stupid comments. You're not being cancelled because of your, your left wing or your right wing you're you're not being cancelled at all you went online you made some statements which is stupid and not popular with the public and you are not a lead star of a show you're a recurring character and surprise surprise your potential employer turns around and says well we're probably not going to hire you again Mm, you know I mean if you are in that sort of position shut up you know (laughs) don't go online and make stupid statements and offensive statements it's just ugh. yeah because she kind of thought that like on Disney side of things right you think okay Mandalorian big show Disney Plus we have our you know that's that's their platform and she's been hired to appear on that platform on one of their shows to you know appear on screen as a character if you make because this wasn't just like one thing that she did because I looked into this a little bit and watched some like YouTube videos and, and read up a bunch of things I mean it wasn't hard to avoid this being discussed online I'll say yeah. that as well when you do as many bad and stupid things as what she did you can't expect Disney to turn around and be like oh yeah we'll, we'll have you back on our on our platform with millions of people watching with this really big show that we've got and there was other things i heard as well about like she was anti-face mask and anti-vaccination yeah, yeah, yeah. You, can't, you can't be turning up to a set and go like oh no i i, I don't want to wear a mask and expect everybody else to be like all right then we'll put you in the scene and you know f- yeah. film you in that it's you can't just be like the odd one out that's like oh no i'm not gonna wear it and then like she can't expect like let's say john favreau for example who's the see the showrunner i yeah. think for mandalorian you can't expect it's like him to turn around and be like okay yeah yeah you, you can come on our set and, and like not be careful exactly. about anything that's yeah. it's, it's pretty it's pretty simple at the end of the day that you shouldn't do things like that and then expect someone to just say oh yeah come you're welcome on the set or whatever so. yeah I think a lot of people have said multiple times before you know she's complaining about the fact that oh she's been cancelled it's like well no you haven't you are allowed to say whatever you like America has a freedom of speech law you are allowed to say whatever you like in America what the first amendment doesn't give you is freedom from consequences and these are the consequences of your actions yeah. you're expressing yeah. a particular viewpoint which as you say yeah you, know, you if you come out as being anti-vaccination anti-mask you're allowed to have that viewpoint certainly but don't expect to be let back on a film set afterwards it would be a bit weird if like let's say you've got 10 other cast members they're all wearing masks and following the rules and here you come along with nothing there and then just expect to just walk back onto the set it's it's weird yeah it's a weird attitude so yeah no more of Cara as far as we can tell on Mm -hmm. that show in terms of her character as well I know there's the option to recast if they take that on but if they don't decide to have that character back given the amount of characters we had in season 2 which was 
wasn't like too many and they're all they're all there for good reason which i think we've we talked about before yeah i don't think her character will massively be missed yeah that's sort of my point is the fact that she wasn't in a secure situation anyway she was a recurring character on that show there was yeah. no reason they needed to bring her back while she might have been a useful character she wasn't a core member of that cast it's not like a show like i don't know wonder vision and she was wonder or vision you know it, right, it, yeah. it's not like yeah whereas something like that would be a problem when it's something like this you are a recurring side character there is no reason why they need to bring that person back you had a particular plot arc for the first season you had one for the second season there is no reason they need to write that character into the third season particularly so as i say people are saying she's been fired actually i think it's entirely possible they were never intending to use her again anyway they might have brought her back but she just shot herself in the foot by making incendiary inflammatory statements online and now she definitely won't get brought back so you know Mm -hmm. kind of her own fault really yeah so that that's all the stuff we've been talking about this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. We start off with the renewals, cancellations and pickups in TV and film news. Big show coming to an end. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is going to end with its eighth and final season, which is the one that they're, they're mid-shooting right now. Sounds pretty much like it was more a creative decision or at least a sort of 50-50 decision between the creative team and NBC. It wasn't a cancellation as such. It does sound from what they're saying like they kind of got to a point where they were going to bring it to an end. Eight seasons is a pretty solid run particularly for it a show is. that's already been cancelled once and switch networks I yeah. think eight seasons for a comedy is a good solid run for it and uh, whilst I know there are a huge amount of fans out there that could be bitterly disappointed no, I'll be sorry to see it go but eight seasons and actually getting to end properly is not bad for a comedy at all Truth Seekers is also being announced which was the Amazon Prime series that will not be returning after one season I can't say I'm hugely surprised by that this was uh, mainly led by Nick Frost I think part of the problem they made with this was that they build it very much as a Frost Peg collab show and Simon Pegg seemingly turned up and did most of his scenes in one afternoon. Yeah, uh, he's, he's not in it very much. He's not in it very much and I, I kind of understand that but I think if you're going to build something as a sort of Frost Peg thing it needs to have equal amounts of Frost and Peg in it. It was fine. I mean I enjoyed did, did it. Did you finish it? I didn't actually get to the end of it. I kind of enjoyed the episodes I saw. It's just other things came along and I started watching those mm-hmm. and I never really went back to it. I had three episodes left and then just, just other things kept getting in the way and I just fell off. So it wasn't a bad season. It, just, it wasn't a great series either. So I'm not hugely surprised that's not coming back. The other thing which is not so much cancelled but not starting, the Wonder Girl series mm. which we mentioned a while back, which was a DC adaptation. It was based around a Latinx character called Laura Floor. That 
that is not moving forward. She's sort of a, well, as you would expect from the title, she's kind of a, a young version of Wonder Woman. And Child of an Amazonian River God and something is the sort of setup for it. She is a character in the comics as well. What's interesting to me about this is it was a Greg Belanti series. So it was technically probably part of the Arrowverse. Yeah. Uh, it was Greg Belanti and Daylin Rodriguez who would worked on things like Ugly Betty and Lie to Me and 911 and Queen of the South. She was showrunner on. I think this is the first time the CW hasn't picked up one of the Greg Belanti superhero shows, which is interesting because there seems to be a little bit of a shift maybe away from just doing Belanti DC shows. They have yeah, got other- all, the, all the HBMAX stuff as well. Yeah, so. this is possibly an interesting turning point for them because mm. they have got another DC show in development right now which they are piloting or they've picked up so they are still buying superhero shows and there are all the HBO Max stuff as well but um, maybe the Belanti's slightly losing his grip on the sort of whole Arrowverse thing but uh, we'll mm. see because of course they've got I, a couple of shows ending this year as well I think eventually DC's going to have to pick a lane a little bit because you're starting to get a few more HBO Max series because I know that you've got yeah. the Peacemaker thing and you've got uh, the Green Lantern series as well and they're probably going to want to do more of them plus it kind of fits a bit better into the dceu whatever the dceu actually is at this point yeah but uh, you will have you know peacemaker's going to be in um suicide squad and then in his own series so maybe you might get a little bit more continuity there so when you kind of do that and then you've got like the films the uh, hbmx series and in the arrowverse i don't know it'd be interesting to see how that kind of plays out with because you've got sort of like four different sections of dc there it'd be interesting to see going forward with dc shows how many end up on uh, CW, Arrowverse, and how many end up on HBO Max? Yeah, I mean, they've already established with the uh, crisis event that the DC world is in a multiverse. So everything does mm. exist within the same multiverse with things on different Earths. So the movie flashes are on a different Earth to the TV flashes. And, you know, we so they've established a certain amount of that. So there is ways of bringing everything together. And I think maybe that's where they've settled is that not everything has to be on the same earth and mm-hmm. they they can kind of cross things over if they want to, but they also can do, go off and do their own thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but it's, it's, it'd be interesting to see whether they start tying any of the other non-Arrowverse shows together in one place. That mm-hmm. will be the interesting thing. Like you say, you've got the movies and then you've got the Peacemaker TV show, which is connected to the movies and you've got the Arrowverse. It's whether then the, any of the other shows start to connect to each other as well. Yeah. So, Renewals, uh, BBC have announced that The Split, which is the divorce drama, has been renewed for a third and final season. So that will be back on the BBC. And little update on Succession and Barry, the two HBO series. They've both returned to filming their third season after they were both shut down for the uh, pandemic. They are now back to filming their third seasons each. The HBO boss is saying that the fourth season renewal hasn't been greenlit yet, but they are extremely, extremely likely that they're both going to get four seasons as well which yeah. is good news they're both quite successful HBO shows aren't they yeah so, so uh, I, I, I really chance. like Barry I haven't uh, started Succession yet have you seen either of these I haven't watched Barry I know it's been quite popular it's one that I do want to go and watch um, Succession I watched some of the first season I really enjoyed it and then I can't remember what happened it might have been when my Skybox died 
had, yeah, I was going to uh, say, was that when you lost all your like recordings and that? Yeah. So, and uh, I haven't been back and started to pick it back up again yet. So uh, I, okay. I need to so, go and watch the rest of that. Are those seasons on Sky at the moment? I'm succession? not sure. I think so. I think they certainly were. Yeah. Some of the box sets were up there. I think but... Succession is, but Barry isn't. Maybe. Okay. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So, yeah. So they're back filming their third seasons and uh, full season renewals are very likely for both of those. In terms of pickups, whose line is it anyway? Which is a blast from the past for anybody of my sort of generation. The uh, Whose Line is it, is it Anyway was a, a UK improv stand-up TV show which ran, I think, on Channel 4 over here. They then made an American version of it which ran for a number of seasons and uh, they now have picked up the US version to bring back to the UK on Dave, the UK wow. TV channel. He's picked up 50 episodes of it, which I'm very, very happy about. I caught a couple of episodes of this when I was in America. It's very, very, very reminiscent of the original UK version. In actual fact, Ryan Stiles hmm. and Colin McCreary, who are two of the stars of the original UK version, are still doing it like 20 years later in America. They're still doing the same thing. So it's those two guys, Wayne Brady as well, and um, the host is a woman called Elisha Taylor, who is a sort of talk show host and actress and comedian. So she's the host of it for the US version. This is the version that was going out on CW. I think they're starting it from the third season of that. They also have a guest star come in as well. And there's various guest stars of, from comedy and acting and all sorts of things. So uh, they've had various people come in and, and sorry, the three of them plus a guest each week. And if you've never seen it, they basically get up and they are thrown lines and suggestions from the audience and they do comedy skits based on suggestions. It's very, very funny. I really enjoyed it. The US version is very, very similar to the UK version. So if you like the original, you will love this. It's really, really enjoyable. And uh, that is coming to uh, UK TV's Dave and they're going to be running out, I think, a couple of episodes a night over sort of weeks and they've got 50 episodes to get through. So uh, that's awesome news. BBC has picked up The Terror, the first season of that AMC anthology series because that previously went out on AMC UK but obviously we've mentioned before about six people in the UK actually <laughs> have AMC UK due to the fact that it's on, it has an exclusivity deal with uh, BT so a lot of people don't have that channel so the BBC have picked this up they've only picked up the first season of it and as I say it's an anthology so it changes from season to season so that's fine it's a self-contained story first season was inspired by true events and is a fictionalised account of Sir Captain John Franklin's lost expedition to the Arctic but it's supposed to be very good and very creepy so uh, that should be one that if you like those sort of horror things that I think will be one to look out for that's coming to iPlayer and BBC Two and uh, the BBC have announced that they've revived Matt Berry's Steve Toast character for a new series called Toast of Tinseltown which is a six episode series which stars Matt as Steve Toast from Channel 4's Toast of London an eccentric arrogant actor determined to win recognition he mistakenly believes he deserves called Toast of Tinseltown we don't know when that's going to land but the BBC have picked that up so that will be filmed later this year they've said I never saw the original thing and it, it mm. kind of depends whether you like Matt Berry's humour I think I liked him on the, the IT crowd but I haven't seen him on right, the, yeah. Toast of London so yes it'll be that character again but it'll be uh, set in Hollywood by the sides of it so that'll be one to look out for if you like that mm. on to some bigger news stories 
And the one which I know you'll be very happy to talk about, uh, <laughs> HBO's Last of Us series have cast Joel and Ellie. They've gone for Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. Pedro Pascal, of course, having been in The Mandalorian and Narcos, he will be taking the role of Joel. And Ellie is being played by Bella Ramsey, who is probably best known for playing... Lady Mormont. Lady Mormont. Playing Lydia Mormont in Game of Thrones as well. So they have both been in Game of Thrones because of course uh, he played Oberon Martell the mm. squishy-eyed Oberon yeah. Martell the, the, the stand snakes that uh, they'll be quite remembered <laughs> yes in, in the fourth season of Game of Thrones so they have both been on Game of Thrones although I don't think they ever were on screen together at the same time there were a lot of characters in that no, show I don't think they were uh, yeah. yeah I mean I know how much you love the series what do you think of this casting I- yeah I do love the series a lot I did a World World Last of Us episode on this on what day was this now Thursday Wednesday something, something like that last week initially I was sort of like okay I recognise they're both very very good actors they've both got uh, good acting talent especially for um, Bella who's only uh, 17 the more I've kind of because I've seen lots and lots and lots of takes of this online the more and more I kind of thought about them as casting options the more that's kind of grown on me if that makes mm. sense because at first I was sort of like okay they, you know you've got some good actors in there but I didn't quite see him as Joel and her as Ellie uh, but as as I said on, on that podcast before I, I've been wrong about things in the past like I remember when Henry Cavill was cast as Geralt and I was like I don't really quite see that but and I, I, was, yeah. I was wrong about that because he was brilliant as Geralt but uh, sometimes yes yeah, sometimes when you look at the actor let's say out of costume and then in costume you sort of get a different perspective maybe on that person so I think when we eventually see these two people costumed as Joel and Ellie I think that will grow on people a bit more possibly mm. I mean there's always going to be people that won't like the casting options and that but uh, in terms of their actual acting ability which is the other important part I've got no doubts about that but yeah so, so far everything that we've got for this series you know HBO which is a very good place for it Neil Druckmann and Craig Amazing being behind it it's important to have Neil there I do feel because obviously he's the guy behind the Last of Us universe um, and then you've got these two very good casting options so um, so far so good I think definitely yeah I like these two they're good actors I think they're a solid pair of cast for it I hope somewhere in the show they find some way of getting Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson in you know the original voices Mm. It would be nice just as a nod to the game to maybe get them on screen, not as Joel and Ellie, but as other people, you know, it would like be maybe... Ca- like a cameo survivor sort of thing. Yeah, like a sort of, yeah. So hopefully they'll find some way of roping them in because I think that would be a quite nice nod to the original game. But obviously, Ashley couldn't play Ellie. She's way, way too old to play that character. <laughs> unfortunately, um, yeah. I, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. As great as she does, a job as she does as the voice, she's uh, too old to be playing a 14-year-old girl at this point mm-hmm. 37 years old so <laughs> as much as I love her as an actress as well I mean she, she's a fantastic actress she was in the mm-hmm. killing and uh, she's a member of Critical Role and actually was in Blind Spot as well Blind Spot yes yeah and Blind Spot as well and she mm-hmm. does a ton of other voiceover role you know she's great but yes I, I think play, her playing a 14 year old girl would be something of a stretch at this point um, yes I think so. <laughs> Troy, Troy I think could have pulled off the lead but maybe you want somebody who's a more well known outside of the gaming world name possibly for mm-hmm. that lead yeah. few people were asking about oh what does that mean for the Mandalorian given that Pedro Pascal is also the lead in the Mandalorian bear in mind both of these are like 10 episode seasons and yeah. for the Mandalorian he's one of four people that play the Mandalorian because there are or at least four people because there is Pedro who is the face of the Mandalorian for the few 
times when he actually takes the mask off and does a certain number of the scenes. But all the stunt work is done by three different stunt guys. And mm-hmm. he's under the yes. mask a lot of the time. So it's not always him that you see when you see that mm-hmm. character on screen. So a lot yeah. of it is voice work. That's one of the advantages of that character really is you can have somebody else do the, the stunt work and that because, well, you don't actually yeah. physically need to see Pedro there because the mask is covering his face. Yeah. The one other casting option I would have liked, now this would have been more suitable for the older version of Ellie that we see in Last of Us 2, is uh, Caitlin Dever, if she were to potentially do that. But you can't then have you know her do season two or something or whatever season and then uh, have Bella do season one. So Bella will probably you know grow into the role. That was another one that was talked about. But, yeah, um, she's 24 as well. So I think you know taking mm-hmm. 10 years off yeah. her age would have been a bit of a stretch, I think. <laughs> but um, yes, I can see why. I mean, she would be a good pick for it. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a solid pair of casting for it. I'm very interested to see how it gets handled. It's got some great people behind it. I mean, Craig Mazin did a phenomenal job on Chernobyl. You've got Neil Druckmann in there. I think this should be a really interesting mm-hmm. series. In terms of what you mentioned about Pedro, I mean, let's assume that this series is going to be eight, maybe 10 episodes because HBO don't really normally yeah, do it. Is. It's going to be eight episodes. or 10 episodes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if you've got eight or 10 of those, and then like you said, the eight for the Mandalorian where he's not always actually there anyway. Yeah. Uh, I think he could, he could handle both of them. Yeah. So. I mean, it, it's really not a problem. He will be doing mm-hmm. both most definitely. And we know the Mandalorian is back for another season. So uh, a lot of that, the Mandalorian is voice work for him more than mm-hmm. anything else. So he's perfectly capable of doing both of those shows without any problem at all. Moving on to a few pickups. The CW has handed a straight to series order to a reboot mm-hmm. of the 4400. Do you remember the original 4400? I know what it is. I haven't seen it though. Right, yeah. I don't think I actually watched it either. I, I might not have even had Sky at the time. I was, don't, that on all, was that on all four at some point? It may have been. I Pink honestly can't remember. added onto there at some point. Uh, so 4400, for those that don't know, uh, follows the story of overlooked, undervalued, or otherwise marginalized people who vanished without a trace over the last hundred years. 4400 young adults in their reproductive prime have gone missing over the world. Some disappearances happened as recently as a few weeks ago. Others date far back as the day the Soviets launched the Sputnik satellite in 1975. Now all 4,400 show up in their sites of the original abduction. None of them have aged today and none of them have any memory of where they've been. As the government races to analyse the potential threat and contain the story, the so-called 4,400 must grapple with their return to a changed and hostile world as they also contend with the reality that they've come back altered in ways that none of them yet understand. The new version of the show comes from Adriana Jackson and Anna Frick, who are the duo behind behind the wildly successful reboot of Jared Padalecki's Walker. Jackson also worked on things like Riverdale and Unreal and Lethal Weapon, set to write the drama and exec produced alongside Frick and a woman called Laura Terry. So it is going to be a complete reboot of it by the sounds of it. But I mean, I'm, I'm okay with this. I know there is a lot of love for the original series, but I haven't seen the original series. So I mm, really right. You can't. don't have that attachment. Yeah. yeah, I don't have an attachment to it. The original series ran from 2004 to 2007 it was actually the the show that gave Mashahala Ali his big break uh, as well oh. it was the first thing that he kind of really starred cool. in a big TV show so I'm okay with this they did a really good job on Roswell New Mexico I thought I really really enjoyed what they did with that again that was another show which was a reboot of a sort of older I sci-fi I forgot to watch that and they didn't leave it on catch up for very long either it came off catch up yeah, really ITV really quickly doesn't, doesn't do that so. um, but I thought they did a really good job with Roswell New Mexico and that was again was another sort of show of this kind of era that people mm-hmm. loved quite a lot 
so yeah why not more sci-fi out there we'll see where it goes it's going to be an interesting one because these sort of returned dramas after the 4400 came out there was like three or four of these sort of things there was the return to and there was various versions of that and there was there was a couple of others as well there have been a number of these dramas where a bunch of people just show up from either you know having been pulled mm. from the past or the future or whatever it's going to be interesting to see how, how this works having kicked off a genre of these kind of you know people showing up out of nowhere having Mm. been sort of the first show to really kind of do that and then had it copied multiple times to then come back and try this again. It'd be interesting to see how this lands, but um, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm interested to see this, but that's got a straight to series order. So that is definitely going to be coming to the CW. Obviously it's only just been announced. So no UK broadcasters announced for it yet. We still don't have one for Superman and Lois, but that's a different story for it every time. Yeah. Yeah. Which starts, is that next week? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, Um, So, uh, sticking with the CW, they have handed out some pilot orders as well. One to the Powerpuff Girls, which is this interesting, quite bizarre remake that made Bex get very ranty last time we talked about it, (laughs) which was quite entertaining. I mean, I don't really know the Powerpuff Girls, but obviously this is something which is somewhat of a beloved property. The CW version is, again, I think this is Belanti production. Yes, it is. It's a Belanti production. Comes from Diablo Cody. Now, the Powerpuff Girls, for those of you that don't know, were three kindergarten with an array of superpowers who saved the world, or at least their small city of Townsville, from monsters, would-be conquerors, and other gross things. The CW version has aged them up, so they're no longer preteens. They are now disillusioned 20-somethings who resent having lost their childhood to crime fighting. Will they agree to reunite now that the world needs saving once more? So that is the interesting setup for it. So you sort of like skip the part of their like origins a little bit and then skip to where they're teenagers? Yeah, so they are sort of former superheroes who are kind of upset that their childhood was taken away from them because they were somehow forced into being... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, which is is sort of kind of the setup of the Umbrella Academy, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but yeah. Yeah, so it is sort of that. But having said that, I do like Diablo Cody quite a lot. She made Juno, which was a brilliant, brilliant film. She also did the United States of Tara as well, which is a dramedy series. She's working alongside Heather Rayner, who has worked on things like Veronica Mars, Sleepy Hollow, Falling Skies and Eye Zombie, all of which were great shows. It's Belanti producing it. Whilst I can understand the anger of Powerpuff Girl fans the, of what they're potentially doing with this I do think it is quite an entertaining setup for a show so we'll see how the uh, pilot mm-hmm. goes but yeah, yeah. it does, doesn't sound like a great I like the core of the idea because you're changing it to where okay you're not starting with them as being young and then you're kind of skipping over the origins a little bit which sometimes can work to a degree depending on which character exactly because uh, I mean in this day and age for example like when you watch a, a new Batman film you don't want to see his origins yes we, we've we, seen we that a million times that. already but uh, yeah. changing it to live action and then having it kind of... Uh, I, I feel like this has the danger of just turning into kind of a teen drama with, yeah. with this sort of Powerpuff Girls thing just attached to that. It, so, it does feel know. a bit like just they've taken the name and turned it into something else entirely, which, you know, I can understand why that might mm. anger some people. I also just don't know... Because I've seen bits and pieces of the Powerpuff Girls and I've, I don't think I've watched like no. an episode back to front, but I've, you know, we've, we've seen them before. Just kind of thinking of... The 
those characters and trying to imagine them in in live action and then as teenagers i don't think that that works necessarily but uh yeah. we'll see we could we could be wrong you don't know we'll see how that turns out again that is a pilot these are all pilots naomi is another one that they've picked up this is based on a dc comic written by brian michael bendis and david f walker this is a story that follows a teen girl's journey from her small northwestern town to the heights of the multiverse when a supernatural event shakes her hometown to the core naomi sets out to uncover its origins and what she discovers will challenge everything we believe about our heroes so the pilot comes from writer director ava divani who has worked on when they see us and selma and writer jill blankenship who worked on arrow in the last ship they are exec producing as well this isn't a blanty production which is interesting it is a huh. dc show but not a blanty show as far as i can tell although it is going to be airing on the cw so you know as i said before they all the dc shows do sit in a multiverse but what makes this kind of intriguing is it talks about her having a connection to the multiverse so although this is separate whether they're going to maybe somehow use this as a bridging series to pull other elements of maybe some Arrowverse stuff you could pull some dceu stuff in yeah maybe they, they use this as a way of playing around in everybody's toy box could be quite intriguing i mean we don't know what is going to happen with this and i i don't know the character well enough to know what this sort of multiverse connection is but it could be a quite interesting series in the same way that you know one division seems to be dipping its toe in the multiverse and you know we've got the multiverse of madness coming on the marvel side i do wonder if they're looking to use this naomi tv series as a way of kind of doing that sort of multiverse playing around stuff with a tv show mm. um so it could be interesting it'll be interesting with that like how you said with the sort of resourcing the dc shows we did just have crisis obviously which was, was that two years ago I, a year ago yeah time flies but yes, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a while ago uh, when we had that and that kind of you know reset things a little bit and brought in some interesting cameos from the dceu and that you do also have flashpoint coming up the 2022 flash film yes that uh, is true whatever that's going to be so i do think eventually you know there's a lot of dc things out there so it'd be interesting to see like whether they use this show or flashpoint or or something else or maybe both at some point i do think there's going to be another like shift with dc properties and Mm. sort of reorganize things a little bit more because thing some of these things are a little bit sort of okay this is kind of in that universe but it doesn't really cross over and it's kind of sort of connected to that thing and it's like a little bit muddled at certain points yes Um, we'll see how they how they kind of handle that with this maybe yeah it's going to be an interesting one that i think the fact that the multiverse seems to be at the core of that story makes it intriguing to me as to exactly what they're going to do with it so we'll see but uh yeah that that's called naomi that's being piloted as well the last pilot is an untitled dramedy which follows two millennial nuns which seems a bit off the wall for a CW show, but um, I, mm. they, they have done some quite strange dramas on there before or drama comedies on there before. So we'll see. One is a devout true believer, whilst the other is a new arrival who has yet to take her final vows. The duo start out as strangers, become sisters on a funny and spiritual journey to understand their own faith and place in the Catholic Church. It comes from Claire Rothrock and Ryan Weir, who previously wrote the web series Basic Witch, 
Jenny Snyder Ehrman, who worked on Jane the Virgin and Charmed, and uh, Joanna Klein, who worked on Broke, are producing it. So uh, it's it's got some sort of interesting names behind it. I I don't know, you know, the the obviously the two writers because they they've kind of upcoming writers. They've not really done that much so far. I kind of can see where this might work. I mean, you know, you've had things like Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which seems to be in this sort of vein, and things like Jane the Virgin and and those sort of slightly weirder, stranger off the wall comedies. Um, mm-hmm. So I yeah, I could maybe see this working. Yeah, possibly, maybe. Don't know much more about it than that, but there, there's no title for that yet. That is being piloted as well, so we'll see where that lands. Over on CBS, they're also handing out pilots. It's been a very pilot-heavy week. Uh, they've handed <laughs> a pilot to True Lies, which is a TV series based on the movie. Uh, what's interesting about this is it comes from Matt Nix, McGee, and James Cameron, who was the person behind the film. Matt Nix was the person behind Burn Notice, which is a fantastic series if you've ever seen that that's well well worth going to watch McGee of course is is known for his kind of explodey actiony shooty movies as well as a number of other things so uh, the show is going to be a reboot not a continuation of the movie which follows a similar setup to the film so it's an unfulfilled suburban housewife who is shocked to discover that her seemingly bland and unremarkable computer consultant husband is actually a skilled international spy and finds herself propelled into a life of danger and adventure when she's recruited to work alongside him to save the world as they try to revitalize their passionless marriage so that was the setup for the movie that's basically going to be the same setup for the tv show i can sort of see this working as a tv show matt nix i really really liked burn notice i thought it was great he also wrote the gifted as well for fox which was that mutant drama which i thought was quite right. good mcg of course has done a whole bunch of like big shooty explodey things like uh, terminator salvation charlie's angels he was also an exec producer on supernatural i seem to remember uh, he did the Lethal Weapon series and Chuck as well was part of his group and Chuck was a great spy series he's going to direct the pilot they're going to exact produce alongside James Cameron who made the original film as well so uh, it's not going to have any direct connection to the film but I, I think it's a it's an interesting fun license they can pick up and use possibly yeah uh, I'm not familiar with the things that this is uh, kind of based off and that so if you've ever seen the movie I suppose it is 1994 the original film so you know right, um, yeah. it, is, it is worth going to watch it's a fun movie that Arnold Schwarzenegger Elijah Duku played his uh, daughter in that film as well but it was Arnold Schwarzenegger was the sort of lead in that but uh, yeah it's worth going to watch the original film it's fun speaking of film to TV adaptations over on Amazon they're also getting in on the act with another spy thing they've picked up Mr. and Mrs. Smith based on the movie version and this comes from Donald Glover and Phoebe Waller-Bridge they are going to create and star in an Amazon series based on the movie if you're unfamiliar with the film it's starred Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie as a bored upper middle class married couple who were surprised to learn that they were both assassins. Unfortunately they belonged to competing agencies and their latest assignment was giving them orders to kill each other. So that was the setup for the film. It was a wonderfully fun silly movie. It was uh, I liked di- it, yeah. yeah, directed by Doug Lyman and um, grossed like 487 million at the box office so it was pretty successful. Donald Glover who of course you know was from Atlanta and Phoebe Waller-Bridge from Fleabag are going to create and write and star in it based on the original
Fiction 2005 movie. They're going to be exec producers as well. Uh, Francesca Sloan, who wrote on Atlanta and Fargo, who is uh, also co-creator, is going to be exec producing as well and will serve as showrunner. Of course, the pair have worked together before. Uh, Donald Glover and Phoebe Waller-Bridge both worked together on Solo, where she played the robot sidekick to Lando Calrissian in that film. They, oh, yeah. They have actually yeah, worked together before. Yeah, because I remember him as um, Lando. Lando. Yeah. But, uh, I couldn't quite remember her role in that. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, it was on mocap. So, you know, it sure. was, she wasn't on screen for that, but she did a brilliant <laughs> job and they made a wonderful, entertaining kind of pairing in that. I can see this really working. I think this, I think is this a, will be brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw this title and I saw Donald Glover, Phoebe Waller-Bridge and I just went, yes. Yeah. Just, just give you that. Uh, two very, very talented people. I'd probably watch these two do quite a lot of other like series. Like, if, if a project was kind of announced and it had their name attached to it, you've already kind of yeah. pre-got my interest anyway. But uh, yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Smith was a fun film as well. I, I quite enjoyed that. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing this. I think they could have a lot of fun on this and uh, I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm definitely in for this. I think they're a hugely, hugely talented mm. duo and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see this. We don't know when it's coming out, but yeah. EB's got that overall deal with Amazon, hasn't she? I think so, yes. Yeah, I think yeah, she's I, got I, an overall deal. I think it was after um, Fleabag won a bunch of things for its, I think it's second season and uh, she signed a big deal with Amazon. So yeah. I, cool. I, yes, I think she has. So uh, yeah, this, this is definitely going to be one to watch out for and that is commissioned to series. So that is going to be turning up most definitely. It will be on Amazon when it lands. That's all the news we've got for this week. Let's move on to some highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> So highlights for next week. We have Devils finally, after talking about it on and off for months and months and months, Ace finally landing on Sky Atlantic. That's coming on the 17th of February. This is uh, a dark, twisted thriller starring Patrick Dempsey that is based in the world of millionaire bankers. Looks like it could be quite good. That's called Devils, 17th of February on Sky Atlantic and their TV for that. The Great British Dig History in Your Own Backyard, which we mentioned last week, that's coming to more 4 on the 17th of February at 9pm as well. This is, as I said last week, if you're a fan of something like Time Team, this is very much up your street. Uh, Hugh Dennis and a bunch of experts digging up people's gardens for archaeological treasures. There was a pilot of it that they put out last year, which was great. And uh, if you like those sort of things, there's a little four episode series that they've done of it now. So uh, that will be coming on the 17th of February at 9pm on More 4. Real Housewives of New Jersey season 11 coming to Hey You on the 18th of February, if you're into that sort of thing. For All Mankind season two lands on Apple TV Plus on the 19th of February which I'm hugely looking forward to this was fantastic the first season of that uh, do, you so think, do you think I'd like the first season oh, I yeah. have access to it don't I yes so. you do I definitely definitely go and watch that it's really really good the first season of that uh, proper good cool. solid Ronald D. Moore space drama definitely worth watching Bloodlands which we've mentioned a few times and we, uh, this is a, a new police drama set in Northern Ireland it's from Jen Mercurio uh, who is exact producing it stars James Ned's bit with those people we it's definitely one you want to watch it's Bloodlands BBC One 21st of February at 9pm and uh, Unforgotten Season 4 of that which is the Nicola Walker cold case murder mystery drama that is coming to ITV on the 22nd of February at 9pm then we move on to the Star stuff mm. because Star launches on Disney and this is on the 23rd of February so there's a whole bunch of, of new and a uh, few interesting things popping up on here so we're Raising Hope which uh, Sky aired for a couple of seasons but didn't the uh, third and fourth season so that's coming to star on Disney Plus on 23rd of February 
three. Hailstrom, which is the Marvel series that is also coming to star on the 23rd. Big Sky, which is the massive David E. Kelly ABC drama, which has been getting huge, decent reviews. That's coming on the 23rd of February to star on Disney+. Plus. Love Victor, which is the follow-up to Love, Simon. That is coming also to star. Solar Opposite, which centers on a family of aliens who crash on Earth and must take refuge in middle America. They disagree on whether it's awful or awesome. It sounds like it could be quite a fun comedy, animated comedy yeah. series, that. But that's called Solar Opposites. That's also coming on Star on the 23rd. Is that from Dan Harmon? No, it's not from Dan Harmon, but it is from a couple of the guys that used to work on Rick and Morty. So um, okay, yeah. it, Justin Rowland and uh, Mike Mahanan are the two people behind it. So yeah, if you, if you like that oh. sort of humor, then definitely going to be one to watch. I think it looks like it could be quite good fun. There is The Fosters, which is the the series that Good Trouble, which has been airing on iPlayer, this is the series that Good Trouble came out of. So all five seasons mm. of The Fosters I've now landed on, are, are going to be landing on Star on the 23rd as well. So if you want to see the sort of prequel bit to uh, Good Trouble, then you can watch that on there as well. And uh, Terriers, which I believe is a UK premiere, although somebody pointed out that it may have run on Sky One at some point, but that was a one season show. It looked like it was quite good fun. I know there was a lot of people that were quite upset when this got cancelled and it's about 10 years old now, but uh, that mm. finally gets a UK air date. It stars Donald Logue, who you will know from Gotham, and he plays a, a recovering alcoholic and an ex-cop who partners with his best friend, played by Michael Raymond James, in an unlicensed private investigation business. But uh, that was quite popular. It was an FX series, but that is finally coming to start and that's on 23rd of February as well. And of course, there's a whole bunch of other stuff coming onto Star and Disney. There's a lot. There is a there. lot, yeah. a lot, there's, a lot. There's loads of films and that. So I'm really looking forward to Star. I think that's going to be a good, hopefully future potential home for more FX and Hulu shows because I, yeah. I just want that BBC to end. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and, then they, and then they can just put, just, just, it just makes sense if you end the BBC deal, which you, I think you said is supposed to be October, and then you just put FX and Hulu shows both on the same place for the UK mm. on, on Star. That makes sense. I know things like Handmaid's Tale and that won't be because that's like Channel 4 and that, but yeah. New or kind of recently new FX and uh, Hulu shows that haven't found a UK home. That would make sense for that. That so. does seem to be the plan. If yeah. they are, I mean, something like Handmaid's Tale, as you mentioned, is actually not made by Disney. It's made by right. an external company, which is why that deal, and it has already got a deal. So um, that yeah. will carry on yeah. on Channel 4. But plan appears to be anything new for FX and Hulu it seems to be coming straight onto Star, which is good news. So if you've already got Disney+, Plus, then you will get Star automatically. If you have not got Disney+, Plus, now is a good time to get it because the price will go up on the 23rd for new customers. If you are an existing customer, you will get your renewal at the same price for the next six months. But for new customers, the price goes up on the 23rd. So if you are interested in any of this stuff or any of the Disney Plus stuff, get your subscription before the 23rd of February. That is everything for this week. There's definitely plenty in there. Um, if they want to talk to you or find you, where can they find you? You can find more of my content on entertainmenttalk.org for TV, video games, films, and Manchester United podcasts. Certainly an interesting uh, football season because uh, you know Liverpool aren't doing well and that's, that's always a good thing. <laughs> uh, it's, it's weird. They don't lose at home 
home for three years and then they lose like three games at mm. home in a row. Interesting. Uh, but you can find my content over there, entertainmenttalk.org. If you want to talk to me online, which you're more than welcome to do so, uh, Twitter is etalkuk. I do want to mention as well that um, Barry, who's one of my other co-hosts, did a horror podcast with him yesterday talking about found footage horror films that we've uh, recently been watching and that. So uh, if you look for Talk and Stalk on YouTube, you should be able to find that on there as well. Oh, so. cool. Okay, yeah, so go and look that, that up. For other people, you can go and find Bex over on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bytes. Go and watch her play retro video games, build Lego, generally chat about us and nonsense. That is usually quite entertaining. <laughs> That's uh, twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bytes, B-Y-T-E-S. Go and find her over on there. And Daryl, you can go and find over on hollywoodnorthnews.net, which is his new home over there for all those TV series you love that have been shot in Canada, which is basically every superhero and sci-fi show on air at the moment so uh, go and check out him over on hollywoodnorthnews.net for us you can go to geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye 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 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.